And welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, J-O-N, Brandon, and boys. Gotta hit it on the drop right there. Yeah. Today, we will recap UFC 289 and new. Just kidding. I was supposed to say and (laughs) still. Yeah, I guess there will be. Good point. Uh, Also, what is next for probably one of the biggest winners of the night, Charles Oliveira. We're going to talk about it. After his big win in the co-main event. Also, we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night main event. Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts. But first, boys, how we doing? Episode 137 of the Neon Belly Podcast. Or as some people are calling it, Brandon, uh, the California Penal Code for offering a bribe or influence in a testimony episode of uh, the Neon Valley podcast. That's a, that's very specific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't make the rules. Do you get that from Bryce? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh yeah, we watched the fights with Brandon's brother last night and yep. he said I said we're doing episode 137 tomorrow and he said you know that's the Ding! California penal code yeah. for offering a bribe for a testimony <laughs> um which leads me to believe that there's a good chance he's done that. Um, that seems like a mm. real specific thing. Sometimes yeah. you represent yourself in court, and you know you got to use the laws. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, but yeah, we have so much to get to with UFC 289 that we're gonna jump into it right off the bat. But before we do, John, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. All right, all my peoples out there, you know what I ask you to do all the time. If you have Apple Podcast, you can give us a five star. You can leave us a review that helps us out a lot. You can do the same on Spotify with the five stars. Um, you can follow things like that on our social media, Neon Belly Podcast, on our IG, our TikTok, and our YouTube, Neon Belly Pod on Twitter. If you are on our Twitter, you know, we try to live uh, tweet throughout all the fights so you can kind of see where we're at, how we're feeling with things, and you can, you know, give us some feedback. Um, yeah, so if you just get us uh, get us on there, and um, we're going to keep on pushing content. It's a crazy last part of the year, so definitely plug in. Absolutely, and with that, boys, this past Saturday, UFC 289 from Rogers Arena in Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver in our main event. Amanda Nunes mm-hmm. defeats. Oh, that's still going. <laughs> still do the intro there. You got to do it. It's a special occasion. Amanda Nunes, boys, defeats Irene Aldana via unanimous decision. Uh, I mean, there was never a doubt, right, boys? Never a doubt Amanda was going to get this done. We um, all knew it. There was one second. Uh, this was just complete <laughs> annihilation uh, yeah. by Amanda here. Uh this was just never close, this fight. Uh, she dominated the stand-up. She dominated the grappling. Um, even more so in the stand-up than I thought she would dominate mm-hmm. in that department. Uh, she did retire in the cage, uh, which I think is kind of the biggest story here. Um, and how do you even begin to articulate the career that she's had or put it into words? Greatest female of all, fighter of all time, I mean. And I think one of the greatest fighters of all time, regardless mm-hmm. of gender, regardless of weight. Um, I don't know that we'll see some somebody 
have that kind of dominance in this sport ever again, like I said, regardless of sex, weight, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, they should just erect a statue of her outside of the UFC headquarters in Vegas. That's never been done. That's a big thing in sports. Yeah. You know, you talk about a lot of like football stadiums, baseball, like erecting statues of your team's heroes is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my knowledge, the UFC has never done that. Um, I say Amanda should be the first one. Why not? Yeah. Change the game for all female fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what a career and what a performance by Amanda Nunez. Your guys' thoughts. Yeah, so the performance itself, um, I picked Aldana, but boy, did she just never get anything going. She landed like the one shot in the first round, I think, that was decent. And like you said, the rest of the fight, it was just all Amanda. Yeah. I mean, it just controlled every aspect of the fight and really just showed what she has shown essentially her entire career is that she can do that to pretty much anybody. And, um, yeah, just put a cap on a, on a fantastic career. And, um, yeah, I mean, what more can you say? Yeah, yeah, it's um, uh, just like you said. There was the right hand at the end of the first, and after I mean, even before that, there was nothing. After that, there was nothing. Um, Aldana just looked um, intimidated the whole fight. She was, you know, eating a lot of teep kicks to the stomach. I mean, Amanda was just doing what she wanted. Some of the takedowns, like you said, some of the takedowns that she was able to land and attempted were just like, well, I'll just see if I can get away with this because she was just able to get everything she wanted off. Um, I, I do think that. Um, the the trilogy fight with Pena could have been that's the only detail that could have put the put a, been a little bit better for the ending. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, she already righted that wrong. Right, though. you know, it's not like and she did it in dominating. You know, it's not like that rematch left much doubt to people that you know. I don't want to call the first one a fluke. But with a Pena Nunes right. fight, I'm talking about. Um, but man, she just looked leagues above Juliana Pena in that rematch. So yeah. it's not like they she really left much meat on the bone there, right? And and when you look at her career, and there's not like you said, there's not very many fighters whose resume stacks up because any female you could name that's even in the top ten greatest female fighters of all time, she's beat them. Yeah, you no, know, she's fought everybody and beat everybody who's had Including a name. Including Valentina Shevchenko, right? You know, so. Ronda Rousey, Holly yeah. Holm, Misha Tate, like all these names that you could yeah. try to come up with. She's bested all of them. Yeah, and names that are going to be relevant even beyond Amanda. Now, you mm-hmm. know, it's not like these are women, all women of yesteryear, right? Like these are names that are still going to be extremely relevant in this sport, um, and. Again, you know, giving you guys a hard time there off the top, but you guys both did take Aldana mm-hmm. in this fight. Um, what did you think that we would have seen differently? Because that, that, like, even on our live show Friday, like, I was genuinely shot. Like, this was, like, free points for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I knew, obviously, Aldana was dangerous on the feet, but really shocked that both of you guys went Aldana here. Really? And, I, and I, yeah, I just, I, I, I just, I knew the grappling was always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've just not seen... The thing is, too, is I think maybe Aldana has shown okay grappling at times, but I I just think people have forgotten how great of a grappler mm-hmm. Amanda Nunes is. I mean, and not even just a great grappler, but even just wrestling, just a pure wrestling base. I think she's a really good wrestler, mm-hmm. probably the best female wrestler right now. Right. I think for me it was Because I feel like you guys were just banking on the one shot. Well, no, I, I was banking on the boxing for sure, but in my head I'm looking at the first Pena fight. I'm looking at somebody who could use the boxing, put on a pace, and could finish if she got the opportunity. And that's what Aldana has done. But this was not the same Amanda that fought in the Pena fight, the first Pena fight. So that's kind of yeah. where my head was at. Because but when we people, saw the second Pena right. fight, so why did you but think? But when people start talking retirement, they don't always turn it up like this. 
I would say also, so for me, I was expecting a lot more offensive of an Aldana, right? Like, and that's, this isn't a, like, in, to take anything away from, from Nunez, it's honestly, it's more of a testament to her in that sure. when people get in front of her, they just don't tend to show up yeah. the way they usually do. Yeah, it's and I feel like that was the case with Aldana last night. Like, I, at one point they said that she, the number of output that Aldana had matched just Nunez's significant strikes in that. She, mm-hmm. she threw more significant strikes essentially sure. than Aldana threw total strikes. And it was, I mean, that alone, I think, told a little bit of the story. And it says she landed. Okay. She landed as many strikes as Aldana threw. Had thrown. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, anyway, and again, that's not to take anything away from Nunez. I think that's just a testament to who she is, you know, like when people get in front of her again, the people just tend to shut down. It's almost kind of like an Izzy thing, yeah. but it's just purely from Nunez's offense rather than sure. Izzy's, you know. Trickiness, right? But again, like I feel like right there, you guys just kind of talked yourselves out of your picks almost because mm-hmm. you guys both gave reasons of li- literally why I went with with Amanda, right? Because I just, uh, you know, and, and like I know you brought up the retirement thing because you know again we talked about that Friday on our live show is uh, that was a big storyline for people coming in, but I think that whole one foot out the door, one foot in, it does apply in most cases, but I think it applies to me more for um, say like, and I'm just throwing a name out there. This isn't like I'm not putting this on this person, like. A Matt Brown or a Robbie Lawler, like somebody in that stage of their career, where yeah, they were a champion, maybe former champ, or got close. Um, they're up there in age; they're never going to get a sniff at it again. You know, it would take something like crazy resurgence. You know, mm-hmm. guys like that start talking about retirement. I think you have something to worry about going into a fight. But somebody like Amanda, who again, greatest female fighter of all time, done it all, seen it all. Right. Um, we knew that we were looking at possibly one or two fights left for Amanda. It wasn't going to be prolonged. She was never going to come in and risk um, putting that in jeopardy and walking away from this sport with a loss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and again, and I even said it Friday, that's not to say Aldana still couldn't have landed a big left-right hook or something and put her to sleep and found a way to beat her. Um, but I just think the whole idea that, oh, well, you know, we've seen her slap. And she did get caught out in that first Pena fight, and she admitted as much. You know, like mm-hmm. I just, I kind of lost focus a little bit. Um, but you knew somebody like Amanda, the champ that she is, was never going to fall in that mm-hmm. trap again. I mean, but you do never know. You, this is such a mental game that mm-hmm. one thing could swing people and they're not the same fighter. Think, We've seen it happen. I feel like 11 times, though, Amanda's proven. <laughs> no, right, but I'm times. saying it, within the past two fights, she hasn't. What do you mean? The past two Pena fights, the first one she did lose, you know, right, she wasn't that's there. It. That's the only right, one. but I'm saying I'm going by off what we've seen recently. Within the past two fights, one time it's happened, so it's happened more recent than it did early. Okay, but we can't ignore the other 12 times that she was, like, perfect. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I think, and the fact, too, and that's another thing you got to look into is she addressed it. Like, she admitted mm-hmm. what happened and what went wrong. Didn't make excuses. So, again, right. when, when a champion or somebody like Amanda says those things and is willing to, like, fix it and admit that they did something wrong, I, I got to go with it. You, you don't go drift mm-hmm. away. Cause I, but it sounds like what you're saying is that an Aldana pick was outlandish, and I don't feel like that was an outlandish pick. I feel pick. like it was pretty outlandish. Why? I don't know. I, I mean, here's the thing. She Would had, you have been that surprised if Aldana went out there and I, got a unanimous decision, just kind of yes. outboxing? Yeah, really? A, a, a unanimous decision? If she would have beat Amanda Nunes by UD. Just kind of piecing her up? I, we, that would if, surprise if she, you. If she beat her by unanimous decision, I feel like we'd be sitting here talking about a robbery today. Like, how did she win a unanimous decision? Or I would just be like pushing every button on this soundboard, like 
just blown away. Well, the problem with you saying outlandish, too, is you also just said, oh, yeah, could she have landed the left hook and knocked her out? Yeah, because there was right. a possibility. That's, but that's in every fight, right? There's right. So that that's what there's no thing. outlandish picks. Oh, there is outlandish. Because you would you would have said that Pena was an outlandish I, pick when she beat her. Because yeah. we all sat here and said, why are we even talking about this? Amanda Nunes, next. It is fighting, man. Anything it happens. can happen. But pretty, I was just really shocked that both of you guys went there. Well, and of, and of all of Nunes' wins, you look at all the finishes she has. Like, Green granted, she controlled every second of this fight. It's not like Aldana was completely busted up. I don't think she ever knocked her down. She landed some good takedowns and controlled the top. But it's like, of all of her wins, this really stood out to you. It was like, yep, see? I mean, I don't know. I just I don't get that vibe compared to, like, the previous fights that Nunes had. What do you mean? Had. I guess I don't like, Again, so like she looked really good. She looked yeah. like Nunez usually does, but it and she controlled the entire fight. She sure. dominated it, but to me, it didn't look like how it looked when Nunez fought. Um, oh man, what was her name? Tall Australian, Megan Anderson. Yeah, the, oh. Megan Anderson or any of these people that she's well, just do, crushing. Holly Holm and you know, I think, Ronda Rousey. Sure, and I think a lot of that is Irene Aldana is a step above those women for sure, just in skill, right? Like we're seeing that in women's mixed martial arts in general is a lot of women are getting better. Irene Aldana is tough as nails. Mm -hmm. If she proved anything last night, she is tough, right? I mean, that 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 can't be taught, you know, and that's almost mm -hmm. just like Mexican fighters are almost born with that right. toughness and that dog, man, and she'd put that on full display here. Um, but, yeah, just really, really didn't understand a lot of people questioning the whole like one foot in one foot out thing that to me I just found that a little interesting and then after that it's like well then you're just kind of banking on you know Aldana landing the one shot I would know? say the one shot I would say superior boxing overall and I think again Nunez proved that she's got really good boxing and that she outboxed Aldana but I also think there's some place to talk about Aldana just really didn't get going she didn't. Yeah. And mm -hmm. well, and you said it from the beginning is that Amanda just has had that effect kind of her whole career, mm -hmm. except for obviously Pena who came out and was like willing to die on her sword. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but that now leaves us with a lot of questions about what is next for this women's division and possibly the sport of, you know, I, I'm going to get to it in a minute, but even broader than just these titles, um, you know, obviously now both the Bantamweight and Featherweight titles are vacant. Um, but I kind of, and Dana did say in the post fight that, um, you know, chances are the featherweight belt retires with Amanda, that division, which she's the only one in that division anyway. So mm -hmm. that's not a real big shocker. And I feel like Dana's made it very clear from the beginning that the only reason that division was still open was because she was still active. She wanted the, you know, she wanted that belt. She wanted that double champ. I saw a lot of people calling her double champ status, uh, some validity on that, you know, into mm -hmm. question. Fair enough. I think there's an argument there. It is there. interesting. It, it is fair enough because basically they've said if she wants to continue to be that champion, we're going to let her. I don't think she's challenged for it in a couple years, if I'm mm -hmm. correct. I think, um, I think her home fight was the last one that you probably think you're right and we've seen champs get stripped after you know a certain amount of times mm -hmm. anyway so whatever i mean she's she's earned it she did earn it and she earned it she did defend it what three or four times at mm -hmm. three I think. jermaine cyborg uh, i think and, and then holly or megan and holly so yeah, maybe four or maybe four so i mean fair enough she deserved it i like i said I'm, i don't have a question and like that's fine um but um i told you guys last night now that this bantamweight title is vacant to me the fight that makes the most sense is juliana pena or uh, Juliana Pena versus Raquel Pennington. Mm -hmm. uh, Raquel obviously also did weigh in as the backup, which we've seen is now the new meta to getting title shots in the UFC. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense for the vacant title. I don't know if you guys have any mm -hmm. other thoughts on that, but to me, and I saw Raquel even kind of put on Twitter too, like, 
it does. Yeah. And it really kind of writes itself, right? Yeah. Well, and, Raquel, and it's a rematch. It's, Raquel it's a had rematch. a win over Aldana, so she thought she should have got the right. call up in, in the first place. That's right. No, Pennington and Aldana was going to be a rematch. Pennington and uh, Pena were supposed to fight on Ultimate Fighter, I think, mm, or something. She okay. said Dana always said that he thought that would be yeah. a good matchup on Tough, or maybe he thought they would go to the finale or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it, it, it's the only really thing you have there as far as like a storyline and, and a name that because Pena does have the recent win over Nunes. Sure. So you can kind of run with that as the yeah. storyline as the only person, you know, to beat the Lioness in X amount of years, yeah. you know, now is trying to take over. So I think that's easily the best thing you can do. Well, the commentators, have t- they talked about it too right after she retired was this kind of opens the divisions up, right, for a yes. lot more competitive fights, a lot more kind of you know, injections of that into yeah. the, into the division as a whole. So, yeah, I think you're, it's, it's exciting on a lot of different levels. But again, I think, you know, like you said, Penny, uh, yeah, Pennington and Pena makes a lot of sense as far as fighting for the belt now and then seeing who can come up and challenge for it. You know who else is probably, ha- like, I guess you could say happy about this, but somebody like Holly Holm who just signed that new yeah. contract to make mm-hmm. a run at the belt. It's a, not to say that Pena's yeah. an easy fight or well, Quell Pennington's an easy fight, well, but easier it's than Amanda. <laughs> way different than trying <laughs> yeah. to beat Amanda. So. And, and, and I'm going to get to the kind of the division as a whole here in a sec. Um, but it does create, I feel like, an interesting topic of, you know, if we're going to fold a division, if you're the UFC, do we need to add one now? You know, mm. do you add another one or do you just leave it at eight? Um, you know, obviously, I think. And it's tough because what I'm going to get to is eventually is I think you have to add another women's division if you're going to take a women's mm-hmm. division away, even though nobody's fighting in that division. Um, but, man, I think everybody wants to see that, like, I guess you would call it, like, cruiserweight division, that kind of 200, that, that weight class between light heavyweight and heavyweight. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like there's just such a need right there for a division like that. Um but again, like I just said, I think if you're going to take a women's division away, you need to open up more opportunity for mm-hmm. female fighters. I think another thing that's made sense, and I know it's something that's been kicked around before, is the atom weight division yeah, that's what for I was women. Say. A lot of them have been calling just, for it. Yeah, just do one smaller division for and the you females. You have Invicta right there, dude. Invicta's got great atom weights. I think one has atom mm-hmm. weights as well. Like there is some high level, legit atom weight female contenders right now Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know what the contracts are like you know invicta i think in the ufc they're kind of hand in hand you know i think they can kind of cross promote or co-promote or you know Mm -hmm. let let fighters move around a little bit um but to me i feel like if there's ever a time to do that i think it's now you Mm -hmm. know if you're gonna take that division away and and you know it seems like there's more women wanting to drop down than women that would be wanting to go up to 45 so 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 would you prefer an atom weight over like a cruiser weight see that's where it's tough because you know like obviously if you opened like okay so you got 205 you know as light heavyweight and then if you opened up like let's call it a cruiserweight division and it was like 220 right or 200 to two or not well you wouldn't do 200 because 205 220 pounds is the weight limit Mm -hmm. um and then you know you would do like 230 and up for heavyweight or 235 whatever i mean you're talking about the best athletes in the world right i mean we've we've gone through the list of who could compete in that Mm -hmm. division your tom aspinall's your john jones is you know jamal hill maybe an alex pedeta eventually i mean there's just so many you know high level that's where you start getting into like your defensive ends right (laughs) football and and linebackers and stuff like that just freaky big athletic men um who maybe aren't big enough to compete at heavyweight or, or, or undersized a gelatin almeida Ooh, who goes yeah. back and forth anyways you put him in the middle it makes the most sense mm-hmm. and then he doesn't have to go against 265 pound guys you know so 
you know, that's a tough question, Brandon. I feel like you're trying to set me up for something here. No, and, and I, don't, and I, I don't. We don't need the backlash as early as this podcast is yeah. in its infancy. Um, but no, I mean, I th- I think ultimately what's fair is you have to create more opportunity for the women if you are going to take that away, even though there was an opportunity to be, given, to be given at featherweight really recently anyways. Another good one you could talk about just because of the type of matchups you can have and, and just would give a little bit more is like a 60, 65, where 55ers and 70s sure. can meet. Like, you know, because some, some of them going up to 70, like even like a, you know, we'll talk about it obviously with the main event with Charles Oliveira, but like... um there's some people that could probably make 70, but 160 would put them in a yeah. probably a little bit better situation against some of those bigger guys. Yeah, I think at that point, I think that's why they've never addressed those jumps is because you'd almost have to reclassify every weight class going up. Right. You'd have to like bump them up five pounds or drop them, and you'd have to do it all the way. It just creates so much of a hassle. They've already made the BMF um, back again, so you can make more belts <laughs> yeah. if you need to. So I, I said there, I think there's a broader question here of, of what Amanda's leaving. Um and, um, and where this leaves, you know, women in the UFC or just maybe even women's mixed martial arts in general. But, you know, there are other promotions with great female champions as well. But, you know, every time we kind of see a dominant champion retire, there's usually a passing of the torch. Sometimes it comes in the form of the loss where they kind of realize like, oh, I just can't compete at this level anymore. Uh, maybe in the case of like Habib, where you have an understudy or a pupil that you're like, mm-hmm. and that person's ready to go like right now for the title. But for Amanda, we saw nothing. None of this, you know, she isn't leaving this sport with rivals. She doesn't have a pupil that she's like this person, you know, she wasn't standing there last night. Like I'm stepping away so this person can step up. And it's hard not to say that the division she's leaving is worse off without her uh, because she is the best talent by a long shot. Yeah. Right. So the talent co- goes down just by her removal. Now it does add parity. It's going to open it up. It's probably great for the rest of the women in the division. And that's kind of what Amanda said. Like, I'm not going to clear out this division again. Like you guys have fun. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we've we've ever seen this, you know, maybe with the exception of like GSP who kind of just like walked away kind of in a similar situation, no rivals, nobody he was trying to build back up. Um, but I just think when we see this next title shot between whoever it is, if it's Pennington and Pena, whatever, it's going to be great for the division uh, in terms of, like I said, giving that new life and freshness. But in the back of our minds, we're all going to be thinking, yeah, but Amanda. You know yeah, what I, I mean? mean? Amanda because said as much. Yeah, she's like, I'm still getting better. She's like, I, I saw her post-fight quote, and she's like, I still am getting better every time. I still have so much growing, which, you know, then you can kind of start questioning, is this really the last time we see her? I don't know. Maybe somebody steps up and really draws her out in a year or two. We'll see. Um, could easily be Pena if she wins the belt. It, it could be, man. I don't know. We'll see. Because she said, like, I, I was going to retire, but I don't want to leave the belt to Pena. Anybody can have it but her because I know I could come up any day and beat her up, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of makes it feel like, a, oh, well, if there's a, you know, oppor- like she gets a couple wins in and people start talking about her. Yeah. But, I mean, also good for her with, you know, building her family and all the things she's trying to do. Yeah, I don't blame her for walking away. I just, it is interesting now of what kind of it's left this whole, and and a superstar as well, you know, Mm -hmm. in that division. And Go ahead, Brandon. No, I was just going to say, it's almost like you could say she's passing the torch to the division. Like, that's just because she was so ahead. You guys figure this out. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I don't know, but. It's just weird, you know, like I said, just that you can't argue that, you know, I hate to, again, I'm not coming at women's mixed martial arts, but we are going to see a lesser product without her fighting because she is by and far the best female mm-hmm. fighter in the world. Maybe not, though. Maybe without her there, maybe when we start to see some of these other matchups, they're really, really fun matchups. But is it that, or is it that the standards dropped because Amanda's gone? How would you know the difference? We won't. Yeah. I mean, we, that's what I'm saying. I think in the back of our minds, 
from now until, you know, maybe for a couple years where eventually if she never comes back, she'll be too old. We won't really think much about her. But I think for the next couple of years, we're always going to think like, oh, this is cool, man. But, you know, Amanda would have just dusted that. Mm -hmm. Whether it's true or not, it's just going to be hard not to think. Yeah. And I mean, we kind of do it with everybody who's able to get out on top. Sure. Like a Habib or GSP, you know. But but that's what I'm saying. There's usually a passing where like Habib, we don't really think that because Islam is his understudy, right? right? Or if... Or say if um, if Connor would have beat Habib and walked away, like we wouldn't think that because Connor's already beat Habib. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like there really wouldn't be those questions, you know, because you would never have to question if Habib could beat Islam or vice versa because it would never happen anyways. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of one of these rare cases where we're seeing the best walk away but not really doing it. Uh, in a way that is typical of what we use. Right, and, and this is probably the first time where it's like, there's not even a per- like maybe you could say Kayla Harrison, but there's nobody else I could even think of. Like, well, yeah. dang, we didn't even get to see if she could beat this person. Kayla Harrison just, would be the only one. Yeah, yeah she's mean, ran through everybody else. I even told you guys, you know, they kicked around the Shevchenko rematch, you know, a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Like, I don't even see that, you know, and maybe the Grosso fight kind of ruined that one a little bit. Um, but I don't even see based off what we saw last night. Like, I think she could literally do that exact same thing to Shevchenko. Yeah. Um, it really is Kayla Harrison would be the only other thing that, you know, would even remotely, I think, interest. And I mean, dude, who's to say that they don't independently go do something? I mean, I don't know. I'm grappling. Yeah, I don't know. Something. Yeah, I I don't disagree. But yeah, I mean, congrats to Amanda. Like I said, just what a career. And I just don't know if we're going to really ever see anything like that Mm -hmm. again in the sport in terms of just pure dominance, regardless of all the other things. And, you know, at a time when, when Ronda Rousey was on top, there was a thought of once she's gone, what happens? Yeah. You know, is there anybody that can carry it? And, and that's and Dana says that all the time. It's like, I don't worry about when these guys and girls walk away because there's always somebody coming up, you mm-hmm. know? And that's true, too. So maybe it is a little unfair of me to kind of say that because I think just naturally somebody's right. going to step up. So mm-hmm. fair enough. And let's move in to our co-main event boys as Charles Oliveira <laughs> defeats... Benil Dariush via first round TKO. A head kick breaks through the guard of Benny Dariush, and that was really the beginning of the end. Uh, Oliveira gets all over Benny, finds the TKO finish. He did have to overcome some early obstacles, too, as uh, Benny did get him down early. Spent a lot of time in Oliveira's guard, kind of controlling him there. Uh, But, man, what a performance by Dubronx, who snaps Benny's eight-fight win streak. Um, And we'll talk about it in a sec, but he has to be next for Islam. Um, But let us start with just your guys' thoughts and reactions on the performance and moment by Charles Oliveira because you know I kind of felt it would have to be a little bit of an earlier finish for Oliveira to win but I don't know that I expected that Mm -hmm. yeah so I was definitely ready for the first round finish um, but I guess like you said not expecting it in that fashion like so for me I think I said you guys like Oliveira was very emotional which isn't too uncharacteristic for him on the walk out and after yeah yeah and so I was a little kind of questioning that and then you know he goes out there and the performance like you said a little bit of adversity but the big Mm -hmm. thing for me was he didn't get dropped right it's not like Right. Just rocked him and dropped him. He got a nice takedown, and Oliveira looked pretty offensive from his guard yeah. too. Like, which I think, you know, what we were looking for with Oliveira is what have you done different to sure. show that you're going to be a, a good challenge for Islam in the yeah. future, right? And I think he showed that in this fight because the striking was ultra crisp as always, but he was not complacent off his back, and he just looked really good all the way around. But that power, man, that head kick, yeah, that was really impressive. Yeah. I think coming into his kicks a little more. Literally was, fully blocked by Benny, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just went right through his hands. Dar, he was just tough yeah. to be able to take him out like that. Yeah, man. yeah and, and this is the Charles that I was expecting for the Islam fight, or mm-hmm. like this is what I have came 
accustomed to see from him as far as the ability to stay in that danger pocket, land what he needs to land, and then the finishing ability. Like, he didn't jump into, you know, Benny's guard and, you know, play that game. He literally just floated on top of him until he opened up his head again to, you know, land the strikes. And I think the biggest adjustment I seen was from his guard. He never let Benny keep it close. He always was having his foot on the hip, pushing up, and then eventually was able to get back up and then land the head kick in the right hand. But, um, yeah, I think this was him, you know, kind of snapping back into the version that we'd been seeing. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I said, there's there's always some like weird, like, oh, well, that could have been a bad situation. And then he turns it around. It's That's true. kind of where he's came to from now. But I imagine that the um, the hype and the, the confidence is starting to build back up. And like you said, there's not a bigger fight to make other than him and Islam. So all week, Dana was a bit hesitant to commit the winner of Dariush Oliveira as the next challenger for the title. Um, last night at the post fight, he still didn't confirm it, but said it does make a lot of sense and that he would love to see the rematch. Um, so my question is, should Charles Oliveira get that title rematch? And do you think Charles Oliveira would be a more competitive uh, fight for Islam Mahachev in a rematch? Or do you think that gap or the levels as islam put it still exists between these two and it would go pretty much like the first fight well i think it's possible for it to go like the first fight right like i guess anything's possible in that capacity but i don't think that there's anyone else more deserving right i think yeah. like you want we mentioned too like yeah when islam beat him it was the vacant title but like really it's it wasn't the vacant title like we all know that was pretty much charles's title at that point um so anyway for me what we got going on here technical difficulties yeah, you're good. Just keep so, going. So, yeah. all right. So, anyway, I, I think that Islam is the most deserving, but at the same time, um, you know, Islam had the defenses against Gaethje, Poirier. He, he took it for, when he fought Chandler. I just think it makes sense, right? So, that's, that's the fight I want to see. I don't really think there's anyone else that currently makes the most sense to go ahead of Charles. Yeah, and I think that, you know, and it's kind of a, a situation we've seen similar with, like, Tony, where it's like, oh, this is the guy to beat Habib. And then when he did get matched up against somebody who was, you know, in that same caliber, it's like, okay, well, then that's not it. And Benny was like, oh, this guy has all the talent to beat everybody. He's, you know, just as good as Islam. And then Charles does what he does. So I do think that there's a, a, a layer of levels. But I also think that um, the Charles, like I said, I don't feel like the Charles that fought Islam is the same Charles that was in the cage in Vancouver. And I think that if he can carry some of that confidence better decision making into the islam fight it can get way way closer yeah are one of you guys kicking that light because it's like flashing in and out well when, when, when miley came in she like went in between us and i think she, i tried to move it to see if it would bump. okay yeah it's just kind of driving me nuts it keeps like <laughs> fading in and out it's like it's like messing with my eyes um yeah, so the, and the main reason I ask that is um, I do think it'll be interesting to see a guy like Islam in a rematch. You know, I told you guys one thing about a lot of uh, these very dominant daggy guys is since they've come into the sport is, you know, they haven't really rematched high-level guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be interesting to see if that style can hold up in a rematch, you know, when the opponent is more familiar with it and more or less knows kind of what to prepare for because I don't think a guy like Islam changes much in his game from fight to fight, right? He definitely improves. Mm-hmm and gets better. I'm not saying that, um, but I think Oliveira would get a lot of the same reads in the second fight that he got in the first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to kind of compare the sports because they're very different, but it's kind of like in baseball, right? Um, 
you know a good pitcher because the second, third, fourth time through the batting order, if they're still striking guys out, right. it's a good pitcher because, you know, you start getting those similar reads and guys can pick it up or you get a lot of foreign baseball players, you know, that come in from like Asia and they're like, this is the next big thing and they kill it for a season and then they disappear because mm-hmm. the more you face somebody, you just start making little reads and right. pick up certain things. And, and I'm really interested uh, to see if, you know, these daggy guys that have just ran the sport, right? I mean, just super mm-hmm. talented with these dom- this dominant style. How does that hold up after you face somebody two, possibly three? Heck, we're seeing quadrilogies now. Right. Um, you know what I mean? And no disrespect to Habib, but he's a guy that never rematched either. You know, would have been interested. Does Dustin Poirier pr- approach a fight with Habib differently or Justin Gay? I mean, you know, it just, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think there is an interest there for me. Right. Just to see that, if nothing else, and seeing what Oliveira did last night, you know, again, um, very interesting. But I do want to play devil's advocate a little bit here um, because I do think we're kind of all on that same page of, you know, Oliveira kind of does make sense. Um, but Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje square off July 29th. BMF title is on the line, um, which not super important, but I think it will add to the fight mm-hmm. a little bit when it comes down to it, right? Because um, it's going to give that pageantry. I've already seen, like, who's going to put the belt on him, you know, and, and that's already becoming a big thing. Um, but whoever wins that would then be on a two-fight win streak. Oliveira, obviously, only currently on a one, having just beat Benny. Plus, neither has faced Islam Akhachev. So, if Dustin or Justin wins their fight in impressive fashion, say, faster, maybe more dominant than Oliveira just beat Benny, would you still feel Oliveira is more deserved? Because if you say yes or possibly, then I think the UFC is well within their right, Dana White, to say, Let, let's see. You know, like, uh, we don't know. Because I think his quote was, you know, we got a lot to talk about on Tuesday when we go into our meetings. So I think even if you think, like, maybe if Dustin goes out or Justin goes out and does this, mm-hmm. I could see it would make more sense or if it impresses everybody, you know. Because, um, like I said, then it would make sense for them to wait for that fight to play out. Well, the UFC has already said as much. They right. told Benny that Dustin was more of a one number one contender sure. than he was. Right. So if Dustin wins and he was already looked at as the possible number one contender, yeah. then that seems like it's the easy layup for that. Now, right. as a personally, I, have, I put more stake into – you know, beating the guy on the eight fight win streak than, you know, a guy you've already fought before, you know, who's kind of had a sure. off and on run the past four or five fights. Yeah. Gaethje did have the, the win over Fizeev. That mm-hmm. was, you know, that was at least someone, yeah. someone new, right? Um, Poirier, he's recently just beat Chandler. I don't yeah. know. For me, it's like, I, it's MMA math. I get that. But for me, it's like Habib beat both Gaethje and Poirier. Oliveira beat both Gaethje and Poirier. Um, Oliveira had the massive win streak coming into his fight it was Islam. Yeah, it didn't show. But then he went out there and beat Dariush, who neither, uh, to my knowledge, Poirier or Gaethje have fought. Yeah. And, completely dusted him right. so again i just think it's i just think it's all of there sure. i think regardless of who wins gaethje poirier um i think it i guess i would lean a little bit with dustin um i don't know why just given what you guys said with the the number mm-hmm. one contender piece but yeah i mean still for me i, I lean charles well and i think if you're the ufc just the promotion right and you see it, you're gonna see one of you know dustin or justin if you went the islam fight obviously islam's gonna have his belt on his shoulder whoever wins that fight's gonna have the bmf title it's just mm-hmm. gonna look better and i yeah. think that's kind of where i bet that was kind of their original plan a little bit to somewhat mm-hmm. unless benny did win i do think it was gonna be benny but now that we're sitting here with Oliver, i do kind of wonder if they're like ah oh, you know we just saw it neither of these guys have faced him it's going to be interesting and i think no matter what there's going to be a large population of people that are going to be really upset well with whatever route they go and there's the other thing of islam wanting the fight to happen in abu dhabi 
Right. And we've seen Justin not look his best in Abu Dhabi against Habib. And yeah. some of the guys just don't translate over there. And I don't think we've seen Charles fight over there, too. So that could be maybe something that they look at. But as far as the name, there is a good chance that Dustin could put his name into the hat with a big victory over Gaethje. I also think the way Oliveira beat Darish matters, too, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think we mentioned that. Right. So, well, you that's know. why I said it. If, if Dustin or Justin is to go out and, say, finish the other faster or perform at a high like really run through the other one plus you throw that bmf title on their shoulder which again whether you think it means much or not it will in the grand scheme of things at the end of the day because we saw them parade george masvidal around in it everywhere Mm -hmm. he went and fair enough i mean whatever promote however you want to do it but i do think it will add a little bit to that fight as to where Oliveira didn't have a any type of trophy or anything to show off you know what i'm saying like just him saying he's a champion right and and that's what i'm saying is even if you're not fully on that but maybe you think there's a little bit of doubt like well what if what if dustin just runs through justin you know it's like then i think i kind of see where the ufc might be like well let's hold on a minute you know because Oliveira did just lose to Islam. Like, we just saw that fight. So, do you want to do... And then, and though Oliveira's had a fight between, Islam hasn't. So, do you mm. want to run it right back with Islam or do something fresh? So, I do see that Well, Islam had the well. Volkanovski fight. Fair enough. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I completely spaced that one. Shows how important it was. <laughs> Next one. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. That was a great fight. <laughs> totally joking. That clip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the clip for the week, boys. Mike Malat. Defeats Daniel Fugit via second round guillotine. Uh, Mike Malat has arrived, boys. I have a feeling. I said it Friday. Mm-hmm. This was going to be his coming out party. It's exactly what it was. Invested in the body early with his very first kick of the fight. Kind of glanced off of Fugit's liver there. Um, kind of folded Fugit a little bit. You could tell instantly he didn't mm-hmm. like it. And then in the second, instantly started teeping the body, which forced Fugit to start holding those elbows in tight. Um, and then the hands kind of dropped because of it which opened up that big left right combo that Malat dropped Fugit with jumps on the neck for the finish um, he also showcased some really good takedowns in this fight as well he's a really well rounded guy we've seen him with submission finishes as well huge. and I know he's going to see levels a lot higher than Fugit don't get me wrong but man I feel like this kid has all the makings to be a big star in Canada stand up because I think he got you one here I, I mean, really do you brought the rails down he literally yeah <laughs> literally collapsed the guardrails that, people trying to high five Mike just did you see the video like it, they almost fell on it mm-hmm. yeah so as, so for what john if you didn't see it what john's referencing i'm sure you know you've seen it online by now but as mike malott people rush to the rails to try to like reach out and touch him i guess because people care about that stuff um and the whole rail just collapsed and they all fell which you had mentioned too we saw it with the eagles mm-hmm. uh jalen hurts people get hurt well he almost got jalen hurts well yeah. i mean jalen hurts didn't get anybody land on him yeah. but it was a similar thing where like the people almost fell on the athlete which I mean, imagine how, like, I mean, disastrous that would have been if that all would have fallen on Mike Malott and then the fight, like, doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, what would you have done? I yeah. mean, say even if he didn't, like, get super hurt, but, I mean, was cut. I mean, who even knows? Think, and thankfully, nobody else was hurt either. I mean, right. there's, like, 15, 20 people on the ground. So. Well, it's funny as he just casually keeps walking, though, because he doesn't realize it's happening. Do? It's loud. I mean, you know, you got to get yeah, to the cage. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that that was kind of the pre-fight stuff. But, man, everything that happened in that cage was just all Mike Malott. Um, and, like I said, to me, just really showcasing some good, young Canadian talent. Yeah. Showing with a, with a huge future. Showing it, it can happen after the first round, too. Like he's, he's showing that, you know, I can still put people away, you know, as we get further into it. Yeah. And if you get... I mean, he's a, a really tough guy and a finisher as well. Yeah. So it's not like this is, you know, a scrub. And, you know... 
Canadian welterweights. Mm-hmm. I mean, they there's a there's a history there, <laughs> and not even just GSP. You have Rory. You, have, you know, you have all types of guys up there. So, and, and let us let me say as well, uh, not to backtrack too much, but um, if you ever have to question Charles Oliveira's stardom. <laughs> The Canadian fans there going nuts for him. At the, I mean, this dude is a star. Yeah, I mean, they said a, he's going to get a citizenship before he dude, leaves. This is a Brazilian guy, right? Who barely speaks. We saw him kind of speak English for the first time in the octagon last night. Barely speaks any English, and I mean, you would have thought, you know, he was French Canadian. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, the crowd just went nuts. I mean, I thought that was just a really cool moment. But again, and like we said on the um, the Friday, the live show, the pre-fight show is. Um, at the end of the day, regardless of how strong, weak you think these cards are, uh, when you put anybody and the people that, that that they kind of lined up on this card and how mm-hmm. fun a lot of them were behind a crowd like Canada, who always delivers as a crowd, yeah. always creates such an awesome atmosphere. I mean, me and John could have gone out there and fought, and as long as one of us had a mullet or whatever, like we, you know what I mean, like got the flag tattoo. Yeah, baby. yeah, as, you know, we. I would have learned, you know, I know a little French, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. but, uh, but no, you know, I just we and you don't even have to be French or a Canadian. I mean, you know, clearly, yeah. like I said, they love so, Amanda too. They just love mixed martial arts, yeah, and that's what I'm saying, like. So don't get so caught up on, oh, this doesn't have the biggest names because it delivered in terms of fights. Like I said, Mike Malott. They were so ready for him to get the finish. Like, they were ready to explode, you could tell. Yeah. And he was on point with his uh, interview as well. I mean, he was talking all about it, right? This is our show. This is our car. This is for us. So I think he knew. And he said that all week. Yeah, and he knew what he was getting into. So Uh, Did you see the video uh, after the fight? He was kind of back, uh, like, out at the like where they drive in and out of the stadium. Um, I'm guessing he was just doing post-fight stuff, but there was a lot of fans kind of around the doors and they started singing the Canadian national anthem to him. He like, <laughs> but dude, he got like super, I can't imagine. I mean, right. how, how that must've felt in that spot. And then to have, you know, people singing it. I thought that was just a cool moment. Like I said, really, really good fight. And then our next result, Dan Egan defeats Nate in the train land where via unanimous decision uh what a showing here by EA this wasn't exactly a barn burner like I thought it would be but credit to EA for that um I thought Landware just really seemed to be frustrated for large parts of this fight I think Nate really wanted to take Ige down and uh Ige just wasn't willing to play mm-hmm. ball at all man he was so tough and made everything difficult for Landwehr really made Nate Landwehr fight for every inch of that cage that he tried to occupy as well um Ige did drop Landwehr twice once at the end of the first once at the end of the second um he did rob us of a Nate the Train post-fight interview but good for Dan Ige <laughs> and credit to him for a great performance man and again once again uh top 15 ranking on the line he's putting it on there and he secures the bag once mm-hmm. again um but brandon you said one word while we were kind of watching this and that is levels and i think ega definitely just showed nate the train that if you're gonna play at this level it's mm-hmm. you gotta mm-hmm. get a little better yeah i mean he was switching ega switching stances constantly he was very patient right i know he's known as the knockout artist and he is like he dropped land work twice but he really showed i think in my opinion that veteran mentality of i'm gonna get this job done and yeah. i'm gonna use multiple tools my tool box to do it and just like you said really frustrated landwear and you could just kind of tell and let me ask you john because i remember when landwear burst on the scene you know we were all all three of us were loving it um but i remember saying then that i didn't know if the ceiling for nate landwear was super high i didn't know you know because you can kind of tell he's just one of those wild card guys um but i guess now that we've seen him get that crack do you think he still has potential to be a top 15 fighter? I mean, there's not a lot of guys who take the punches that he punt, that he took. He just set up like the Undertaker in that one in the second yeah. round. 
anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and the, even the, the head kick in the first round, he was right up, stood or the punch, he stood right up, tried to throw a front kick. Like, yeah. he's very, very tough. And I do think he has a really good skill set. I think what what Ige was able to do is similar to what Amanda did, where her his offense was so constant and in his face that he never got to set up any offense. Until the yeah. third, Ige started to get a little tired, and Nate kind of just let a couple things go and was able to land a couple things. Yeah. But I think that this could be a lesson learned situation for him because not everybody's Dan Ige that he's going to see um, moving up in the thing. But I think the toughness, you can't deny. The chin was there. The cardio was even still there. Like yeah. Into the third round, he was able to put some stuff together. So I don't think he got he got beat, but I don't think it was, a, oh, he had no right to be in there. It yeah. was just... Just this I guy, agree. you're just facing somebody who has a style that's really tough for you to get through until you've learned it. Well, I think you just learned, like I think Brandon said, is he just kind of showed him there, if you want to play in this level, you're going to have to just kind of get a little better in some of these different areas. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I just was kind of curious because I remember it's not like we ever set the ceiling super high for Landwehr. And I think, you know, the fact that he was here knocking on the door of a ranking next to his name come, you know, this, you know, today essentially Mm -hmm. is like even crazy with as fast as he did it, but it will be interesting to see how he rebounds from it. Uh, Boys, Mark Andre Barrio defeats Eric Anders via unanimous decision. 30, 27 times three. Uh, This fight did kick off the main card and what a great uh, fight to fill that spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, This uh, wasn't just a close fight, but it was, really all gas no breaks from the beginning from both of these guys um, and I think you would question the 3027 mm-hmm. a bit I don't know that I saw it that way but I think the decision was fair I was impressed with Anders in defeat here though really thought the longer this fight went that Barrio would kind of start to take it over if Anders was even still there mm-hmm. um, and that and to some extent um I guess Barrio did kind of take it over there in that third a little bit. I thought that was the most decisive round. Um, but I didn't expect Anders to still be offering as much as he was going for it still right. there at the end. So Well, and I thought that Anders did some of the things I thought was the reason why I picked him. I thought he stayed like he, he was in there for some of the exchanges, but he was able to, you know, get out the way. He was able to use some pressure against the cage, stuff like that to kind of negate just eating a thousand uppercuts. But by the third, Barrio was still there landing some big shots and really really hurt Anders but Anders like you said his ability to stay in there and that the cardio to stand up and still be landing big shots himself was impressive for him but Canada wasn't going to lose tonight do you think that there was any place for um you talked about not being too certain how you felt about the I mean you were you're okay with the decision but the 30 you weren't yeah, sort of sure does any of that, that. Do, do any of that do you feel like was just the multiple fouls that kind of went against him. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. interesting. There was the two nut shots there uh, from, I, I don't know, yeah, because I did, but I do feel like Anders won that second round, even regardless of the, the fouls there. Mm-hmm. I, I thought round one was really close, and, and I and I think, too, maybe where I missed it is I was so impressed with Anders, uh, even in early as round one, that maybe I was kind of scoring it a little bit heavier for him just because I didn't see him. Mm. really bringing it to Barrio the way that he did. I didn't, I thought that would, it would have been the opposite. Um, Mm. So yeah, I don't know. The fouls did make things interesting. I'm really surprised the ref didn't take a point there after the second nut shot, uh, which would have, obviously seen Barrio lose this fight or at least a draw um, well, at the very I least. guess a draw yeah because yeah. everybody had a 30-27 so it, would, it was an interesting outcome there um last card uh kicking or well last uh, fight. main event of the prelims I don't know how I would have said that wrong <laughs> Nazardini Mava versus Chris Curtis boys ends in a no contest due to an accidental headbutt uh when it rains it pours for Chris Curtis when it comes to headbutts that's now back-to-back <sighs> fights where uh headbutts have kind of essentially ruined the fight for him in a way um in the second round an accidental headbutt again another second round headbutt too 
I didn't even think about that. Uh, second round uh, headbutt opens a nasty cut over Curtis's eye. Uh, Curtis said he was unable to see, so Herzog waved off the fight. Um, a couple things to digest here, but I ultimately feel bad for both guys, kind of for different reasons. Um, but, man, I re- obviously Curtis, back-to-back, you never want to see that. Uh, but, man, I really feel for Imavov here because he was running away with this fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of his best performances to date, in my opinion, and especially considering Chris Curtis, who I think is just tough as nails and he was really going, uh, kind of running away with it here. Um, Becomes not just the first man to take Chris Curtis down, but did so three times. Um, And on the feet, it was really what I thought it would kind of be. Amavov on the outside, controlling that range, just kind of picking at Curtis. Um, I also liked his use of the front leg kicks. Me and Brandon Mm -hmm. were kind of talking about that, that Amavov kind of deployed. But your guys' thoughts on the fight and just kind of how it all played out kind of sucked. Yeah, no, it kind of sucks. Like, it was weird. The the vocal stuff, we talked a little bit about it, like when Herzog was talking to him. Um, At one point, I kind of had a question to with it being two fights in a row now like the first fight the first time it happens right okay like that's that sucks accidental yeah. coincidence but the second time it happens do we have to start asking like is there something that chris curtis is the doing yeah and you know it's not intentional and then i think he's yeah. trying to get guys to headbutt him but perhaps something about the way he's moving Absolutely. that's kind of a, you know lending himself to get to get tagged with it's these. hard not to question well this is another southpaw orthodox fight yeah i think so so when, it's always a risk yeah. right so and that's what happened with the kelvin thing is you know both of them are kind of doing the same thing and he does use a lot of head movement probably a little bit more boxing head movement than a lot of guys do so when you're doing that you're probably creating some angles where that could happen sure um this kind of gave me the feel of like the leon Bilal fight where it's like a the foul happened you know you don't get to see the ending but the guy who was winning looked like he was doing really really good yeah um, but with Curtis, you know, you never can count out him landing something big. So sure. it, it does suck for him. And at least you'd like to let him go out, you know, on his sword. But, you know, you can't. Yeah, he kind of tried to protest the stoppage there. But like what me and Brandon were talking about is the one thing you can't say to the ref is I can't see. Those are the three words you cannot mm-hmm. say because they're going to stop the fight every single right. time. Then he asked for one more minute. They gave him one more minute. And then he said, again, I, I can't, can't see. see. And as soon as he said it, Herzog waved it. It's like, dude, come and on. I, and I don't know how cognizant, you know, he is in there of like really thinking about what you're saying. But like, yeah, he said, I can't yeah. see. And Herzog was like, man, then I got to stop it. And he's like, no, 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 don't, 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 no, 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 don't stop it. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, well, if you're telling me you can't see, I, you know, I got to stop it. And he's like, give me one more minute. So Herzog says, okay, comes back over to him and he says it again. And that, it's like, yeah, that to me was like, mm-hmm. okay, man. Like, well, yeah. it's and, like, you know, you know the, if you say that, yeah. he's going to stop. Now, if you cannot see, I, I'm not going to sit and say he was faking or called into question. But yeah, if you cannot see, absolutely save yourself. Don't continue with the fight. But, you know, if you felt like you could still go, you just need more time, then say that. Don't say I mm-hmm. cannot see because they're going to stop it every time. Especially after he literally told him, if you say I cannot <laughs> yeah, see, exactly. I'm going to have to yeah. stop this exactly. fight. Well, and they yeah. don't let the fighters near their corner when that stuff is happening either. Sure. So there's not like there's somebody who can say, hey, cut it out on the can't see yeah. stuff. Cause right. like, I mean, he's probably freaking out too. Cause it's like, Oh, if this goes to no contest, you know, he possibly loses, you know, a chance at some of his money or anything like that, or even like a fight of the night opportunity or anything like that. So, um, you're probably there's probably a little bit of freaking out that happens when when you get into those fouls. We'll be interesting to see if they want to rebook this one. My my guess is, I mean, maybe you know, just because they're always in need of you know like fight night main events or co-main events. Um, but man, I just feel like like again, I felt like Imavov was kind of leagues above here. Um, I so I don't know what their appetite will be for rebooking it just because of that reason. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it just wasn't really a competitive fight. But we'll see. I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, they could if they're both willing to turn around in a couple weeks or whatever, um, maybe. 
Right. You know, we'll see. So that's it. That's all we can get to, man. We we're already 50 minutes in. Yeah. Shout so, out to Zahabi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zahabi. Um, uh, um, oh, why can't I remember his first name? Eamon Zahabi. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, uh, David Dvorak, um, Kyle Nelson, uh, who did, who, who beat David Dvorak? That does deserve Steve air air Craig. E R C E G. Ursig, I think it's Ursig. Ursig, okay. Um, Star Boy is what they call, or uh, Wonder Wonder Boy, Astro Boy, Astro Boy. That's what <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, steps up on short notice and just beat the number ten flyweight uh, in the world. He, I don't think he had fought in the UFC prior either. I think that was his debut. Mm. If I'm correct, I don't. I could be wrong about that. Update on the scores. I'm still in first with 50. John 38. Brandon still sitting in last place with 35. Mm-hmm. So, John and Brandon, this is a uh, battle for second place. I think I am pretty comfortable at this point. Yeah. Got some big pay-per-views coming up, man. I think I can just pretty much at this point just pick whatever you guys do and just lock you out. Yeah, you definitely can do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're John, you're in second. You're 12 behind. So, it's going to take a miracle, um, and clearly I'm not slowing down. You know, that's just the thing. Yeah, and we have no sway over what you pick because you're the last one to pick. That's true. So, you can just do exactly what you, what you just said. Yeah, I can just pick. But so I are don't. You, are you a coward? No, I feel like it's more impressive that I don't know. Well, I'm the only I'm gonna, one that I'm picked pay, Amanda. But now I'm going to but now I'm going to pay attention. All, all of a sudden, our picks start yeah. to look really similar. I'm the only one that picked Amanda. So yeah, well, I mean, clearly, you know, I'm doing. You my really own went thing out on a limb there. Let me tell you, good, good on you. I mean, how many perfect <laughs> weeks have I had? Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yes, mm. I've had at least three perfect weeks. Uh, uh, I'll have to look. I th- I'll have to go back. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure the last pay per view I picked every fight right because remember you picked I was, Dariush, didn't you? This one wasn't perfect. Oh, you're just I saying mean, in like general. Past. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, I've had like three or four perfect weeks because I said like, man, I need to start betting. Maybe. So yeah, that's dude. That's how I'm twelve points ahead of you guys. Like I don't know if you've noticed, but like that's I'm just, only a couple main events. I'm just over here racking it up. I mean, it's, really I mean like, it's, how, it's easy really to pick how, a favorite. How, you how know? many times have I had to say to you guys, this is what separates the pros from the rookies? And what is what I, is and this? the pro has came out on top. I've been right every time. Whoop whoop. That I've mm. had to say that to you too. You weren't right with Benny. Okay, that's boring. you were really wrong. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying uh, you guys want to know why I'm so far ahead. It's because I'm picking the right things, and you guys picking are just the way favorites, off. Right? You guys are just way off. No, that's what I'm saying. Because you guys pick the favorites those two weeks in a row. Where half, I'm like, half this of this is, is like this. if you, if if there's a pick, like well, not so much now. If there's a pick I really like, but I have to go out on a limb to try and score some points because of how down. Hey, that's I on am. you, man. I mean, I'm just picking who I think is going to win. I'm not playing the game. I'm not playing the points. I'm just picking. We have people that listen to this. They might build parlays or use our opinion to help build their parlay. And unlike John, I find value in that. Like, I want to try to help people. I watch fights. I want them to really know what I'm, you know, I want to I want to know what I'm talking about. You I've know? got played by some bad decisions. I, I don't want to just go with a lonely I'll hard boys that. pick. That's why we had to add the song for John. Literally, this, this has been added because John... We have to let people know when John's like not picking for real. <laughs> like, I haven't been missing on a lot of those though. If you go back and look, I haven't been missing on a lot of the Lonely Heart ones. Mm. UFC Fight Night Boys this Saturday, June 17th from the UFC Apex with a main event start time of 12 p.m. Eastern. Late one for a fight night, not going to lie. Our main event in the middleweight division, number three versus number four, John, take it away. All righty. Like you said, number three, Marvin Vittori faces number four, Jared Cannonier. Marvin Vittori is coming off a decision victory over Roman Delize. Jared coming off a decision win over Sean Strickland. Both fighters looking to get back to a title fight. Vittori losing twice to Adesanya and Cannonier having uh, lost to him recently. Both guys trying to make a splash 
Clash to push their name into the mix, awaiting the results of Whitaker and Duplessis. Vittoria will be looking to push the pace and stay away from Jared's power. Cannoneer will look to be aggressive and start quickly. If Vittoria decides to lean on Jared on the cage and wear him down, it could stifle some of Jared's offense, while Cannoneer will look to land early, possibly employ his leg kicks. Both of these guys need a huge, huge win here if they're going to try to stop or go over like a yeah. Whitaker and Duplessis winner. So you'd I think agree. that they would go for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're looking at a situation where one of these is going to pass Whitaker or Duplessis. You know, even if one of them goes out and starches the other mm-hmm. like in two seconds, I still think the winner of Whitaker Duplessis. Yeah. Unless there's an injury, I guess. This this is more like you're you're setting yourself up. A win here sets you up for a title eliminator. Like mm-hmm. I think that's more the goal here for these two because yeah, nobody's going to pass what Whitaker and Duplessis have done as of late. You're not there. These two can't do enough at right. this point. You know, to really pass that even even in a profess, uh, impressive performance. But with that, Brandon, let us know who you're taking. I'm going to take Marvin Vittori here. I feel like these guys are really similar. I don't see a lot of drastic differences in terms of their style. I think Vittori is a little more durable, um, I, so I'm going to take him. I don't think either guy is going to get a finish here. Yeah. It would surprise me. Um, I guess if, if I think Vittori would be the better one to probably land a finish here, but I still don't think he gets it. So I'm yeah. going to take Vittori <clears throat> by unanimous decision. I'm not a huge fan of this booking. Uh, I'm not it's really a tough one, man. You know, this, is a, this is a tough one because of like Brandon said, the stylistic mm-hmm. matchup. It doesn't really move the needle on paper. We'll mm-hmm. see when it comes fight night. But yes, it well, is and both of their last fights were one of those ones where it's like, yeah, you won. It was close. But, it was close. You know, the Roman Deludze, that one. I'm not. I remember feeling that could have gone a little bit either way. Yeah. And then with the Strickland and you know Cannonier, just wasn't quite as explosive because at the, at his best, we've seen Jan, Jared Cannonier having a lot of explosive power. I mean, he kicked. Anderson in the leg one time and that was it. You yeah. know, we've seen him knock people out. Um, and with Marvin, he has been improving, but he just doesn't seem to have like an X factor other than just being tough and always being there in the fight, always being in the pocket, always being uh, willing and not getting knocked out. But I'm going to take Jared Cannonier here. I think that he does have, like I said, I think the leg kicks could really stifle a lot of what Vittori does. And I think that he has the strength to hold him up against a cage or to get some top pressure on him and land some ground and pound. Mm. So I'm going to take Jared Cannonier by third round TKO. Yeah, you know, other than Izzy and Whitaker, nobody's really been able to touch these two at 185 pounds. So I think there is a little bit something to say there, at least. Again, like John said, that's not to say they haven't had close fights that could have, you know, went mm-hmm. the other way. But both do seem to have this ability to control fights and find ways to squeak out close decisions. Um, but I do ever so slightly lean Vittori here. Um, I think that's because outside of possibly landing a big power shot I'm just having a really hard time seeing ways for Cannoneer to win um, and even with that I think it's been a while since we've really seen that power be effective for Cannoneer you know he did finish Brunson in February of last year but before that you'd have to go back to 2019 to find his last finish mm-hmm. you know um, and that's when he was really his most dangerous he is almost 40 years old so I do wonder if maybe it's just a factor of the foul power is just kind of fading a little bit um, but even with that Vittori has never been finished in his career that block head and that chin have just held up nicely for him really mm-hmm. well um, I think Strickland was maybe a little too defensive in that last fight with Cannoneer and I think his teammate Vittori will recognize that and possibly be a bit more offensive um, 
Any will have to respect the power of Cannoneer, especially early as usual. Um, but I think especially in the later rounds, he'll turn it up and really pressure and overwhelm Cannoneer. Vittori also hasn't been much of a finisher. Both guys have proven to be durable over five rounds. So Vittori by decision is probably the safest bet. Brandon took that though. Mm -hmm. So I will take Marvin Vittori fourth round TKO. And if you're keeping score at home, you know, we kind of talked about on the Friday, uh, Friday pre-fight show of Sean Strickland, you know, Chris Curtis, opponents with back-to-backs, you know, sharing opponents here. And, again, here it is, you know, uh, uh, Chris or Marvin Vittori facing Sean Strickland's. Yeah, back-to-back yeah. -back for Cannoneer. So uh, you, you can go listen to the episode and yeah. see what we're talking about. But – you know, that didn't didn't work out yeah, really well for Curtis. It hasn't turned <laughs> hasn't, out for Curtis at all. It has not worked well ever. for Chris Curtis fighting Sean Strickland's opponents back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess if there's anything for Cannoneer, you know, if you're looking for something outside of just, you know, what you might see in the fight, right. <laughs> there is that. Uh, John, in our co-main event, Armand Sarukian versus Joaquim Silva. Let the people know what's up. All righty. Number eight, Armand Sarukian facing unranked lightweight Joaquim Silva. After Hanato Moicano dropped out of the fight with Sarukian due to an injury, the UFC <laughs> money Moicano money Moicano sorry uh, the UFC struggled to find a replacement and ended up giving Silva a shot Armand is coming off a close fight with Demir Ismagulov after uh, losing to Islam Sarukian went on to win five in a row before losing to Mateus Gamrot Silva has won five of his eight UFC fights two and two in his last ones with wins over Jared Gordon and most recently Jesse Ronson uh, this should be a battle of grappling, but I think Armand has a clear advantage in the, the wrestling and the striking. Uh, Silva's last four fight, win or lose, have all ended in knockouts, but this would be an amazing opportunity for Silva to make a name, and it seems like it could be a trap fight for Armand if he doesn't take it serious. Definitely could be. Let me ask you, because like a lot of people really upset about this booking, and I do understand it. Like, How are you giving this guy that like is top tier, right? Uh, mm -hmm. A fight like Joaquim Silva. But I went and looked at the rankings, okay? First off, really most of the top 15 is booked right now. Mm -hmm. um, you do look further down. You got like a guy like Matt Frivola who is sitting at number 14, but Sarukian's already beat Matt Frivola, right? Mm -hmm. Then you kind of start looking just outside of the top 15 and some of those names there, a lot of those guys are really close, right? And they're doing really well. So I think when I think of it, and, and I could be way off on where the UFC is thinking of this booking, but given the more last minute nature of it, right? Because um, it was supposed to be Moicano, as John said. Would it be entirely fair, right, to give somebody just inside the top 15 or right outside of it who's on a win streak a guy as good as Armand Sarukian on short notice and then just ruin that all for the guy? Now, if a guy like Matt Favola was beating down the UFC's door, like, give me that rematch. I want it now. And maybe he did, and I'm just not privy to it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't see anybody exactly calling for Armand Sarukian, and I don't blame him. It's a dangerous fight if you have six months' notice, let alone if you got a couple weeks, right? So you know what I'm saying? Like, does that kind of make sense? Like, I just wonder how much of it is, like, the UFC looking at it is it's not entirely fair for us to give somebody, you know, who's – you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. risking somebody's momentum right now. Right. Just to give him a guy like Sarukian who's a killer. Because even that Gamrot fight, I mean, could have possibly won that right. fight. You know? I felt so, like he did. Yeah, right. So, you know, uh, it just just a question. Like, you know, I guess just kind of like my thoughts on, because um, a lot of people obviously really questioning mm -hmm. the booking. But it's like, 
first off, who do you give him? Because most people are booked right now. Mm-hmm. And then when you start getting lower, the only guy unbooked book really, he's already beat. Mm-hmm. Then you go outside the top 15. It's like, do you ruin somebody's chances of getting a top 15 opponent? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, like, it's, you're, and you're messing it up to give him a killer who, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting too, though, because you're, you're risking um, – you know, a storyline with Saruki yeah. and, and Islam if something happens and, you know, Silva's able to, you know, land a sub or land a, you know, a good punch. Um, yeah. And I think there's a little bit of difference too between this and like the Abus and Strickland fight where like people are like, oh, this guy's, are, you know, sure. people are afraid to fight this guy. You know, he has some, you know, credentials, right. knockouts. This is kind of, I mean, this guy's like one and two right. in his last three. So it's, it's kind of, I think that's where the parody comes in where it's like, I don't know if, I mean, maybe if you're Saruki, it's like, I'll fight anybody. I want the money. You sure. know, I want to keep my momentum going. Some guys want to stay active, but right. it does make it a little bit, I mean, at least it's a fight night. If this was like a co-main event on a pay-per-view, that would be a little bit more rough to swallow. But I feel like in this situation, you know, maybe if you're a Saruki fan, you get to see, you know, in your head, probably an easy win. And then hopefully his next fight is somebody who's of, of a bigger name. Yeah. And I don't know. Sometimes this happens where we get guys like we don't expect anything really great out of Silva, but yeah. then you never know. We, get yeah. this fight going and all of a sudden Silva could really make a name off of Saruki here which would be very unfortunate for Saruki right you just mentioned that John but I don't know I think like you said there's a lot we probably just don't know going on behind yeah. the scenes as far as people not wanting to take fights against him and who do you give him anyway so yeah. I don't know I mean I'm it's not the most enticing matchup but uh-huh. sometimes they just kind of that's where the, the way the chips fall and did have Demir saying he'd come out of retirement to fight him again no that would have been great <laughs> yeah um but the, well, real quick the reason I said trap fight though is because it reminds me of like college football where you get these like low sure. schools and you're like oh this should be an easy one market off State. yeah next thing you know you lost to rice and yeah i just uh, yeah and i mean i just think too like we have to just we're in this era now of the ufc where they are doing so many fights that if somebody gets injured people are so booked up now because there is so many there's a fight every weekend so mm-hmm. guys and girls are just booked so i think we just have to start understanding and just getting used to and conditioned to the fact that if a fight falls off and they keep one fighter on, chances are it's there's just not going to be anybody available mm-hmm. to step into that spot because they are so booked, you know, to right. the point where they're canceling fights, Irene Aldana and Pennington, just to try to move them and, and make big fights on pay-per-view. So I just think that's something that we do have to remember is mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not necessarily that they're trying to just softball Saruki in here. I just think when you really go and look at the rankings, if you do the work a little bit, most guys in the t- even right outside, a lot of guys are just booked. And in mm-hmm. great fights that you don't want to tear apart either. Right. So, and then you don't want to tear them apart when it's like a winnable fight to further their career to give them this killer last minute. So, just kind of my thoughts yeah. on that. And I just think we just have to remember that as well. Brandon, what's your pick? Armand Saruki in second. Is it 23 or just one point? Three. 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 Saruki in second round knockout. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm pretty sure we're all going the same way here. So, <laughs> I think those other two points are going to matter a little bit more. Uh, here. I'm going to go. Saruki in first round TKO. I think he gets him down, and I think he uh, yeah. lands some big ground and pound. Yeah, I mean, this was always going to be a tough fight, even for a guy like Money Moicano. It's an absolute uphill battle for Joaquim <laughs> Silva. Saruki in top tier. Again, you look at the Gamrot fight, close decision. I'm with Brandon. I think he won. A lot of people think he won. He wins that fight. We easily could have saw him in the co-main event last night fighting for a title opportunity between Oliveira or Dariush. Um, and sure, 
obviously anything is possible. I think Brandon mentioned it there. We've seen recently guys stepping up in spots as late replacements and shocking the world, right? You seen it last night. Just saw it last night. So, And Silva does have powerful hands. Mm -hmm. um, that jumping knee he used in his last fight, he landed three times and dropped his opponent twice with it. So, you know, a guy like Sarukin has to watch that, especially as he level changes, because that seems to be a technique that Silva's kind of mastered there. Mm -hmm. uh, but you look at the guys who Silva has lost to, and they just don't really even compare in terms of being close to this level of Sarukin. And I do find the booking a little bit rough, obviously, as I just mentioned there. Uh, but nonetheless, I think Sarukian needs to make a statement. He needs to prove a point, show his level. I My pick would be first round KO, TKO. John took it. Brandon said second, so I'll just say third. <laughs> Let's see where you it goes. You could say sub in any one of those rounds if you want to. I like the I like the yeah. finish. Yeah, I like I like the knock. I think he takes him down and just pounds his head into the mat. Honestly, mm -hmm. uh, no, like I said, I mean not to be offensive there to uh, Joakim. So it's just a tough fight, man. It, again, this is a guy that a lot of people you talk about Benny being the one to beat Islam. A lot of guys think Sarukian lost to Islam in his fight, another close fight, and they think if he gets that chance again, he's going to beat this Islam. Is his first fight in the UFC. Yeah, and it was a close fight. Yeah, super close fight. John, let's get to the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on. The if you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. All right, with an absolutely packed week of combat, we have a lot to get into. Uh, last Thursday in PFL, we saw some big-time fights, none bigger than the upset victory for, is it Jesus Pinedo? Yes, yeah. Jesus Pinedo. Jesus Pinedo as he defeated the 2022 PFL featherweight champion, Brendan Lognan, with a huge knee that led to a finish. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody saw that one coming. No, I think he was like a... Crazy! I don't even remember what the odds were, but yeah, just uh, yeah. Lognane again. You know, I said it, talked about it a little bit on Friday. Probably one of the best featherweights outside of the UFC in the world. Um, won last year's uh, PFL. Hasn't lost since twenty seventeen. Never been finished. Pinedo, super underdog, comes in. Not only is the first man to finish Brendan Lognane, knocks him out of this tournament as well, mm -hmm. um, which kind of sucks for the PFL, for being honest. But, yeah. dude, that's why I do like the PFL is it is just the format of that thing is anything can happen. Anybody can eat, be anybody on any night. Mm -hmm. Anything's possible in a fight. Um, and this ha this has this does happen sometimes. Right. So. And that knee was nasty. Yeah, nice Ooh. knee. Uh, also fighting on the card was former UFC title contender Marlon Marais. He did end up losing by knockout to Gabriel Braga. Yeah. After the loss, Marlon retired in the ring. I know a lot of us yeah, have been waiting for that. I mean, he's been getting, not only has he lost, is that you know, like four, four, six straight? Is it six straight knockouts? And it might be knockouts, Ugh, it's like yeah. It's something crazy. Yeah, good for him. You know, again, like we talked about is... He, he could have retired after the UFC. I mean, he's got right. a great career, didn't need to fight anymore. You know, credit to him for continuing to step in there, but you don't want to see, you know, a legend like that continue mm -hmm. to get knocked out. So, yeah. glad, he, glad he made the right decision there. Has a knockout win over Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, um, hopefully that sticks. I saw. I told you guys, I saw a funny tweet where somebody <laughs> tweeted at Bell, uh, Bare Knuckle and said, don't you dare call Marlon yeah. Rice. <laughs> uh, you also saw Bubba Jenkins get a big win for him to move into the playoffs as well, yeah. and that's in the featherweight as well, right? Yeah, another super talented guy. I told you guys on the show Friday that I think he's another guy who doesn't get enough respect outside 
outside of the UFC is just being a really top level talent veteran mm-hmm. guy that's been around for a long time and, and I think could compete in any organization. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of Ray Cooper for them too, where it's like yeah. they got a couple guys that could definitely do big. Yeah. Uh, but what could be the biggest news to come from the event was boxing superstar Deontay Wilder was in attendance. He was loving the fights. He said that he was there to talk business about a potential one for one boxing and MMA fight with Francis Ngannou, saying it was serious talks and that this could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what there's nothing more that the PFL needs than for this to actually be a thing. Yeah, Brandon, as somebody that obviously not a big boxing fan, what is your what would be your appetite to see a one for one fight between Francis Ngannou and Deontay Wilder? So let's say the first fight's a boxing match, second fight is a uh, MMA MMA match. Incredibly high. You really yeah, want to see I, it? Really? I love Couture Tony. Like, I love the, okay. the concept yeah. of yeah, that. Yeah, I just was curious. I'm just curious, like, where your interest... And I think, you know, against a guy like Wilder, you know, it is it is a little bit interesting. He seemed to love watching those mm-hmm. fights cage side. I mean, he was really into it. He seemed to be really engaged, even with, like, the grappling and stuff. And um, I liked his wording. You know, he's he didn't say, like... He wasn't like, I, I'm going to come in here and run this sport. He's like, I, I really enjoy this. I want to learn this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect what's going on in here and that kind of stuff. And he He's like, I want to challenge myself. Yeah. And I think you have to have that mindset coming from that sport. And you're yeah. learning so many different, you have to see it as a challenge. So, And he said specifically, you don't see a lot of boxers going over to MMA. Right. He thought mm-hmm. that it's worth you know, yeah. taking be, that job. Be so. huge, man. It yeah. would yeah. be huge. And, and like with the PFL having all this bad news, this would be yeah, the, you know, and it. the vindication this gives you know, Francis yeah. about him saying, you know, Dana saying right. he didn't have this big Just fight Just the fact there. that it's a potential. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, Friday night while we were doing the live kickback show, 1FC had an event as well. As usual, the card was mixed with MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai, and grappling. Uh, some of the bigger results were a crazy head kick knockout by kickboxer Superbon. <sighs> Uh, set it up. I if you watch it live, you don't even see it yeah. from certain angles. How how nasty he set that up. Uh, Cade Rotolo defeating Tommy Langacker. Langacker, yeah. So yeah, so we can kind of stop there. So, uh, Brandon, I'll let you kind of say because you, I know you thought Langacker won that. match. Yeah. So like the way to win that match was either by submission or more legitimate submission attempts, yeah. right? And I feel like the majority of the match was Cade trying to pass uh, Langacker's yeah. guard and. Okay, like you're being a little offensive, but there weren't a lot of sub attempts, and it's to me it seemed like the sub attempts that were there were predominantly from Longacker on bottom. Once Cade finally did get close to passing or engaging with him with like the legs, um, so yeah, I just kind of felt like it was leaning a little more Longacker, but they gave it to Cade again. I guess I could see the pressure passing playing a role there, but. In terms of the way the format was written, to me, it made sense for Longacker. Yeah, he was definitely going, creating those leg entanglements, going for a little bit. close match. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to score when you're going, you know, trying to measure that pressure passing and activity against the kind of more attempts. Um, the biggest bit of news from it, though, was afterwards, Cade saying that uh, he his next combative uh match I guess you can say is going to be mixed martial arts he said he wants to do it by the end of this year um, he said MMA is all he's been training as of late he's fallen in love with it I see that striking man. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting he I think he was said like maybe his mom or somebody said something like you know about that match the long you know he needs to get back to the grappling and he's like he said it was really hard to want to go back to just grappling to prepare for long gawker because he's falling in love with the striking and mixed martial arts um aspect and i and i'll be honest with you and when i look at you know the high level competitors in jujitsu right now i'm not just saying that this i mean um i think Cade even more so than his brother ty but i think Cade ruotolo has 
everything to be a uh, high level, uh, really has the potential to be a great mixed martial artist, super mm -hmm. athletic, um, just a natural, uh, his movement is fantastic. He's really fast. I am interested to see how it all works into the, the striking game. That's where it's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, he said, hopefully by the end of the year, he is going to be making his mixed martial arts debut. So and we've next seen time. that in the yeah. UFC where you have these like highly decorated jujitsu sure. guys that they've done it so long that they can just go on on striking Charles Oliveira. Yeah. I mean, we just seen it with that, with that fight. So, I mean, it's just gotta be the right fight, right? I mean, right. look at like a guy like Dylan Danis who, wasn't even as a successful or good as a grappler as Cade, right? And he found early success because with yeah. the right booking. Gary Tonin. Gary Tonin's done a great job as well. He won well. like six or seven in a row before he lost, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, so I think they'll find him the right opponent. But I'm telling you, man, I think Cade can be a star in mixed martial arts. Probably the best to do it. Best maybe to come from um, that high level. Well, I shouldn't say that because there's been uh, such a history. Jamie of, Maya. Yeah, there's just such a history, guys. So I shouldn't <laughs> say that. But maybe Nogi grappling. How about that? Even, <laughs> even just as recently. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely recently. And then also in the main event, you had, is it Regan? Ursel. Ursel Regan Ursel took only 46 seconds, <sighs> glancing left hook to retain his barely lightweight Muay Thai it. title. Didn't even barely touch yeah. it with it. Just put him out. Crazy. And and we talked about it during the kickback, though, but like it's so exciting to have these different type of fights and the different type of fighters that Dude, one puts out. Muay Thai in four-ounce gloves just does it for me. Yeah. Like it, That's just, <laughs> I. it just is, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, hopefully that starts getting bigger and keeps getting big with some of these uh results yeah uh saturday night we saw another retirement in the form of former ufc veteran antonio bigfoot silva after his 11th straight loss he retired in the ring he's also been known to do this in return to fighting but i know i speak for all of us when i say we hope this is the last time we see him in there yeah. hopefully he's made enough money or whatever it is that keeps bringing him back but it seems like retirement was the theme this weekend with amanda yeah. marais and uh bigfoot silva on the ufc side of things uh last week logan paul in a video announcing the first two official prime athletes after training with israel adesanya and alexander volkanovsky he donned both of them with prime chains uh, he posted a video of him rolling with both of those and style, style bender even had some more behind the scenes stuff on his channel um it could be interesting to see if this spreads to other fighters but um obviously a big thing and it, it kind of makes sense too with how izzy was treating the monster thing in his last fight dude if joaquin buckley doesn't get a prime yeah. sponsorship i will riot <laughs> yeah. dude especially because in the promo video they literally use the video mm -hmm. of Joaquin Buckley saying, Logan Paul, sponsor Prime, you know, sponsor somebody or sponsor whatever. Athlete, yeah. This dude literally dumped an entire bottle of Prime over his head and asked for a sponsorship. I understand Izzy and Volk are big, but dude, we riot if yeah. Joaquin Buckley does not get a Prime <laughs> Even if he's the only other one. Come on, man. Um, uh, Conor McGregor was a part of a halftime show in Miami for the Denver Nuggets versus the Miami Heat Game 3. He was there to promote his spray for pain relief, which ironically was probably needed as he blasted the Heat's mascot with a left hook and then stood over him on the ground and threw a right hand. Uh, the person inside the suit did end up having to go to the ER. It was said that he didn't have any super bad injuries, but was in a lot of pain. <laughs> was weird to watch but like what i was saying last night if somebody like is wearing a helmet like that and they say go ahead and swing yeah. on me you're probably like all right bet i'm with dana why do these people keep doing like because he referenced the deontay wilder one where mm -hmm. wilder punched that same guy it's like why do you people why do you want like even in a suit why are you just <laughs> like hey professional fighter punch me yeah like here's the real question how much money is it taking for you to let connor let that left hook off on you i don't i mean here's the thing i I get, like you said, with the big head, it's kind of like serves as a protection. And I told you guys when you see it, I don't think it was that initial left hook that he fell. I think it was a follow-up shot on the ground because <laughs> he hit so low on, like, the mascot's mouth. Well, the thing is, 
yeah, Connor, you're aiming for the chin for the ground and pound shot, but that's where this human's face is <laughs> under that mask. And like, he just buried it with a ground and pound shot, man. Uh, yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Um, Chris Weidman will be returning to action after the devastating leg injury he got back in 2021 against Uriah Hall. He will be facing fellow middleweight Brad Tavares at UFC 292 in Boston. Uh, great to see him making it back. I don't know yeah. if you've seen his comment, but he said the very first thing he's going to do is fire off the hardest leg kick he can to try may to well. just, you know, shake that out and get that out the way. Yeah, may as well. Um, lastly, uh, this past weekend also saw some boxing news. Adrian Broner continued his path back to stardom as he defeated Billy Hutchinson. It was his first fight in almost two years and his first fight under legendary promoter Don King. Afterwards, he f- called out the winner of Tia Fimo and Josh Taylor, which brings us into... Saturday also saw Tiafimo Lopez return to form as he dominated and defeated the previously undefeated junior welterweight champion Josh Taylor to take all his belts and his undefeated record. Uh, Lopez wasn't allowed to face off with him before the Friday before the fight after making comments saying that he wanted to die in the ring and having previous uh, concerns. But he was all smiles after he won the belts, obviously, and would like to take a little break, but he has been linked with Devin Haney and Shakira Stevenson. Alrighty, is that all we got? That's all we got. All right, uh, song of the week. I'm going with a favorite of Brandon's, "Draped Up" by Bun B. Nice. Down, 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 down. I know, I know, Brandon. I know. You thought I was gonna say Ricky Iglesias, didn't you? Yeah, I would have expected that. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, what's your one for the people? Uh, nothing super crazy. I started watching the show on Netflix called The Night Agent. Didn't really have any expectations, but it's actually really good. I feel like I've heard of it. Really enjoyed it. I do feel mm. like I've heard of that. Nice. That's oh, it for me. Um, my one for the people is um, Father's Day is coming up, man. Get the yeah. get your gifts now. Don't wait till last minute, and uh, enjoy the, going to like a car show or a cookout because that's pretty much all most people do. So that is fair. I went to our. I don't know if you guys know this, but Northside Baseball Park is now a pump track, a mm-hmm. pump bike track. Have you seen this? Nope. So I decided to take my bike out on it. <laughs> and I like, here's the thing. So like I went really slow and there's like a beginner's course. So I went really slow and I went all the way around it. And I'm like, all right, that wasn't too bad. So I was like, let me go. Like then there's like an intermediate and I just got going. I went around that, went fine. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to speed up. And like, I just got caught going way too high up a wall and like got, like I just jumped off my bike. Oh Completely gosh. wrecked my big toe. Yeah. It was pretty bad. I don't even know what that's, what that is. You said a bump track? A pump. Pump track. P-U-M-P. Like, it's like a pump bike track. So it's hard. like, right. it almost looks like a skate park, but mm. I'll show you a picture of yeah, it. But I'll it's like little, it. little ramps and like walls and you're gotcha. kind of like the dirt bike, like the motocross stuff. Yeah. The point of it. Bikes. Why didn't you tell us you were doing this? I would have came out to watch. <laughs> well, it just happened. Like it was just a thing. It was just like spur of the moment. Oh, man. Uh, tell me next time you go. Now we can set up a race against you two guys if you want to. Oh, here's the thing on the, the, the beginner one, I'd smoke you. But the point, so the point is you're not supposed to pedal. You're supposed to like pump your bike up and down and that's how you, and you use the momentum of going over all the hills and the walls and stuff. Uh, but I just don't know what I'm doing. So I just went straight up a wall. It's like, you're supposed to like curve around it and I end up going like straight up and then I tried to like turn it, but I was already like too high vertical yeah. and going, mm-hmm. I felt my momentum going back. So I just ditched my bike. So nice. let's hope, get Dino out there. Yeah. Hopefully somebody somewhere might've been like 
secret because if i would have seen a person like me out there on a mountain bike <laughs> i would have started filming like if we're being honest you know what i mean uh, uh so yeah there like i can laugh at myself a little bit on that one because it was not graceful yeah we will be back next monday boys to recap marvin vittori versus janet cannon jared cannonier fight night and set you guys up with our picks and predictions for josh emmett versus Ilya tapura Sheesh. what a fun fight that's going to be until then we will see you guys peace peace